when um, we hear a testimony of a pastoral couple, it's usually at the beginning. And we did actually, anybody who was here at that time remembers that we showed a video. It was a 20-minute video that was made for Ron and Katie's 50th wedding anniversary by their grandchildren. And it was a very well-produced video. But more than that, that video was a very vivid testimony of God's work and grace in Ron and Katie's lives for their many, many years here in Japan and also before Japan. It is basically their life story compressed into a 20-minute video. Maybe we can watch that again someday, but today we get to hear from them straight. And I'm going to uh, turn the rest of this time over to Ron and Katie as they share what the Lord has done for them. Thank you, Ken. It's such a blessing to us to be able to share with all of you and give you a little more details of our lives and how God has been with us. Different, very different experiences, but the same God caring for us and bringing us to where we are today. And I want to sing a song that my mother wrote for me. After we'd been here in Japan for some time, she put some scriptures together and wrote a song for me. And I'd like to start with that because our desire is to praise him and this song describes that. to praise and bless the Lord. The Lord, even your God, is in your midst. The Lord who is mighty, he alone can do the work, and he will work for you. Sing, oh my daughter, sing, 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 and praise the our God. Make his praise glorious, make it your joy to praise and bless the Lord. He will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst, in the midst of the valleys. He will make the wilderness a pool and the dry land springs Sing, oh my daughter, sing, 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 and praise the name of our God. Make his praise glorious, make it your joy to praise and bless the Lord. You will see and you will know and you will consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this, even the Holy One of Israel. Sing, oh my daughter, sing, 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 and praise the name of our God. Make his praise glorious, make it your joy to praise and bless the Lord. 
you like to sing that chorus with me? <laughs> sing, oh my daughter, sing, 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 and praise the name of our God. Make his praise glorious, make it your joy to praise and bless the Well, we're going to share back and forth, and so I'm starting. Mm -hmm. Ladies first. <laughs> As most of you know, I was born in China in October 1940. In December 1941, four days after my sister was born, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and the U.S. and Allies entered the war. The Japanese military were already in China, poised to take over, so all foreigners, except Germans, were put under house arrest. I'm not going to go into detail. I just want to make a setting for the praise to our Lord Jesus that I want to share. This was in Chifu, where the Missionary Children's School, the Chifu School was, with about 300 children from ages 6 to 18. And a year later, we were all put into internment by the Japanese at the Presbyterian Mission Compound nearby, which the Japanese had taken over. Those children were four years away from their parents the whole time of that war. The internment camp was crowded. There was food, but not much. And the internees had to do all the work of preparing, serving, cleaning up. There was daily roll call outside every morning. And the Chifu school kids quickly learned to call out their name, each of them in a sing-song tone of Britain's national anthem. I was reading testimonies of some of these students and they almost all mentioned how their missionary teachers helped them not only survive the war, but walk it out in peace of heart. Our teachers taught us, they said, God will give his angels charge over us. Therefore, we will not be afraid. That was the heart attitude of most of the people in that camp. That is the trust in the Heavenly Father that surrounded me as a little child. My parents, my baby sister, and I were in the same room as Grandpa Herbert Taylor, Hudson Taylor's oldest son. He was 80 then, and my parents often told me how he would wake early in the morning and quietly sing hymns. During the day, he would hold me on his lap and sing songs to me and pray for me. What a heritage. One other personal story that my mother would often remind me of happened at Christmas 1942. I was just over two years old. Because it was Christmas, a special gift was allowed by the Japanese. We could leave our rooms to visit friends that one evening. Of course, there was a curfew, and everyone had to be back in their rooms by a certain time, and there would be no more freedom to go back out. My parents brought us back to our room after a very precious time with friends, and as they were putting us to bed, my sister and I slept in large dresser drawers. They realized I didn't have my little doll the only toy I had in the internment camp. They couldn't go out to look for it. Their quick response was to have me kneel with them and pray. And as we were praying, there was a knock on the door, and there stood a young man who was one of the last to leave the room he had been in with my doll in his hand. He had seen it where we had been visiting, and he was sure it was mine. I learned early that our Heavenly Father hears our prayers, and cares about us. I accepted Jesus as my savior in that camp just before I was three years old. I have never ceased to thank my Heavenly Father for the faithful family of God 
I was surrounded by from my birth. The influence of the testimony of their words and their lives has remained strong in my heart all my life. After we returned to Canada, the influence continued through my parents' friends there, many who were already brothers and sisters in God's family, along with those my parents led to the Lord all along the way. And both my parents' families were Christ followers too, so the family around me was consistent in faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, no matter what. We'd like to sing some songs as we share with you, so this is a good time to sing together a song of praise to our faithful, merciful Lord God. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord. And if you'd like to stand, you're welcome to as we sing together. to start with uh, Proverbs 16, 31 to 33. I think it applies. A gray head is a crown of glory. Any gray heads in the room here? <laughs> he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. I think many of you have seen our story on the video, at least of the first 50 years, but there are some more details we'd like to fill in. In the early 1920s, my grandparents, John and Madeline Sisko, moved their young family from North Dakota, USA, to northern Ontario, Canada, with the prospect 
of claiming new land being offered by the Canadian government. By the way, Kent Penner knows that part of Canada very well, as he spent one summer, <laughs> two summers, okay, <laughs> wow, planting trees to replace the trees that our family <laughs> cut down. <laughs> My grandparents were believers in Jesus Christ and raised a family of seven sons and three daughters in North Branch, Ontario. My grandfather was a school teacher, a farmer, and a pastor. He built a small chapel on his large homestead for neighbors to worship together in the community. I never met my grandfather as he died just two days before I was born from an accident in the woods. Also, my father and mother were not married when I was born, but my grandmother was committed to raise me. My parents did marry after I was born, and my two brothers were born on the homestead land. Then World War II broke out, and my father and his brothers went to serve the Canadian Armed Forces in Europe, and the whole family, aunts, cousins, and grandma, moved to Thunder Bay, Ontario, for the duration of the war. After the war, most of the Cisco family moved to California, but our family moved to Vancouver, BC, where my father opened a furniture store. To me, even to this day, things are very confusing. My mother finally took us three boys down to California, where I went to first grade. I remember telling my classmates that my father was a fighter pilot in the war and was shot down because my parents had separated and it was just my mother and my brothers. Psalm 27 says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. And that was very precious to me when I discovered it later on. After the first grade in California, my mother took us back to Canada to her parents' home in Owen Sound, Ontario. I remember going to school there. Now I was in the second grade. However, a few weeks into the second grade Canadian elementary school, a teacher came into the classroom and asked me to follow her to the first grade where I was to be for that year. That tells you what difference there is between Canadian education and California education. <laughs> I was humiliated. My mother's parents were Roman Catholic and I remember going with my grandparents to their church. It scared me to see the many statues in the dim lit cathedral with many candles burning before the statues and the altar. Following that year, we moved again, this time back to Fort Francis. We lived with my father's older sister's family until our mother found an apartment above a Chinese restaurant. We lived there for a couple of years, but here began my life of crime. Remember, I was a second grader, seven years old or so, a criminal. A couple of my classmates and I would go into various stores 
and steal small items. We hid our stolen goods behind the local bank, safest place in town, <laughs> under a fire escape on the outside of the building. Pretty clever criminals. At the end of the third grade, my mother met a man who kept coming to our apartment. I hated him. He and my mother would make love when my brothers and I were asleep on the other side of the only room in the apartment. It took years for me to understand how to let the Lord cleanse me of those scenes. In fact, it has been my joy to experience Peter's exhortation to young men in 1 Peter 5, 6 to 11. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. After you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. One day my mother's lover came to our apartment while she was gone, and I was taking care of my brothers. I told him he couldn't come in, but he insisted. I fought with him and finally kicked him in the shin, and he left. It was only a short time after that fight that our mother told me and my brother next in age to me that we had to go away to live with our father in Vancouver, which is about a four-day trip by train from where we were living. If you watch Katie's and my 50th anniversary video, you will understand that four-day train ride my brother and I experienced together. By our Heavenly Father's grace, my brother and I were rescued from the back-and-forth situation with my parents. We were taken to California, where I was lovingly received into my uncle and aunt's family, and life for me was transformed. I came to believe in Christ as my Savior at an evangelistic tent meeting just months after I was adopted by my uncle, my father's older brother, and his wife, my aunt. Because of them, I eventually went off to Canada to Prairie Bible Institute to finish my last two years of high school and by my Heavenly Father's strong leading, continued there for four years of Bible training. Katie and I met at this very, very strict school <laughs> where girls and guys were not supposed to talk to each other. 
Well, I'm going to back up a little bit in the history and come up to that. I grew up wanting to be a missionary. I never wanted to be anything else. And I loved it when my parents were called back to mission in Asia. And as a family, we went to Taiwan for four years, from the time I was 12 until I was 16. Very formative years. I loved reading from the time I was very young. My mother worried I might go blind because she would find me reading sometimes in bed at night without good light. I am so, so thankful for the books that were chosen for me and put into my hands. Mostly missionary biographies and stories of famous Christians through the centuries. Of course, I read books like Anne of Green Gables and Tom Sawyer, but truly the books I loved were the stories of real people who chose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Please know that I was a very normal, real human being, knowing temptations to sin and needing good parental discipline. When I was in Taiwan and continuing to learn more about my Savior and Lord in my walk with Him, I wrote a number of poems, but this is one I wrote when I was 15 years old. You who did still the waves with your will can surely calm my tossing troubled heart. And you who did seek for that one lost sheep will never let me far from you depart. And you who did feed 5,000 in need will surely see that my small needs are met. And you who wept and, like me, slept will never fail me. You have not failed me yet. I'm so thankful for his love and faithfulness. When I look back, I'm amazed at how often he protected me from myself kept his hand on me and continually was there to guide me and teach me. The Holy Spirit faithfully convicted me when I turned in the wrong direction and I could so easily have made a wrong choice. Oh, how I praise him for his awesome grace and mercy. We returned to Canada when I was 16 and I went to the local public high school and was very grateful for the Bible club already active in that school. I also had the joy of sharing Jesus with some friends who were not believers yet and they trusted in Jesus and are still dear friends today. Part of that journey for me was fulfilled because my parents carried on their mission wherever they were, and they soon opened our home on Friday nights to the high school students. My mother would make a great meal for all who came. Then she would play the piano, and we would sing gospel songs, and then my dad would present a Bible story lesson. We always had at least 10 or more students attending every week. During that time, my 10th grade English teacher gave us an assignment to write a poem about something meaningful to us. I asked the Lord to help me write something that would honor him. After I turned it in, my teacher asked if I would stay after school one day because he wanted to talk to me. He had been very impressed with what I wrote and wanted to know more about where I was coming from to write like this at my age. So I got to share a bit of my testimony with him. I still think about him sometimes and pray that he was never able to forget that poem and the precious Savior and Lord it points to and that I will meet him one day in heaven. And this is the poem I wrote when I was young. When I was young, they told me every time I took a breath, someone died. And in my loving, childish heart, I tried to take my breath less often and sometimes to hold it just a little longer. Now I am older and I understand that death will take its prey in spite of me. And though my love cannot, will never be enough to conquer death, there is a love that using me as channel can. And so my life belongs to him who loved and bought my soul 
through which same love I am made whole. Others now he loves through me. I conquer death because of him. With that heart, I went off to Prairie Bible Institute, now called Prairie College, for my last year of high school and three years of Bible school. My parents had gone back to the mission field, this time Singapore, with the Evangelical Free Church. Prairie is where Ron and I met. Sort of. <laughs> Almost our first question to each other when we actually had a chance to talk was, what do you want to do with your life? We heard each other say, I want to be a missionary. With that understanding, we pursued our relationship with joy and trust in the Lord. We graduated from Prairie in April 1962, and we were married that fall, September 7, 1962. Very young. We had made plans to start our life together with a short time in an Indian village in Alaska. We were to work under an older couple who had been there for some years, and we were looking forward to their mentoring us, but when it actually came time to go, the mission called us. Uh, the Jensens have had to leave the village. Mrs. Jensen got sick. Uh, are you okay to be there by yourselves? With youthful confidence, we said, okay, we can do that. We were Prairie Bible Institute graduates, right? We had had years of Bible study and discipleship training, right? There's lots we could share about those six months in Tanana and what the Lord taught us. But when we left the village and returned home, the Lord caused us to cross paths with a young couple who shared their personal journey with the Lord with us. And we realized that what we were sensing in our heart was that there was so much more of the Lord and His Spirit's work in our lives that we deeply needed. We realized we were really hungry for Him in a deeper way than we ever had been before. There was a beautiful move of the Holy Spirit in those years, early 1960s into the 70s. All up the West Coast especially came out of what was going on in California and became the Jesus People movement. Maybe some of you have heard of that. Dear friends around us in Washington were experiencing the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives by the Lord's grace and in His truth. And with that came a move of the Spirit in our neighborhoods and we saw people coming to Christ and joining the fellowship of his body. Meanwhile, the Lord kept drawing us personally to himself more and more. We were so thirsty for him. As we came to him day after day, we were not looking for special signs or miracles. We were looking to him and telling him we simply wanted more of him. A few weeks ago, Pastor Andrew was sharing with us about spiritual gifts, a message we were all blessed by. And as I was looking at the scripture he was using, I noticed these words in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 that I really hadn't paid attention to before. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Those words really caught my heart attention. Not we were all baptized into one spirit, but we were all made to drink of one spirit. And I was reminded by the Spirit of Jesus' words, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture said, from their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. In Jeremiah 2.13, the Lord says to Jeremiah, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, 
the fountain of living waters, to hew for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And I understood we have to recognize our thirst and we need to go to the right place that has the right water. Are we thirsty? Are we trying to satisfy that thirst from man-made wells that can't even hold water? Come to me, Jesus clearly, strongly, lovingly invites us. Both Ron and I have never forgotten those days, the honest recognition of our own heart's needs as believers in Jesus Christ and the precious work he did in our hearts as we came to him, telling him how much we thirsted for him. Some friends had shared with us during that time that, of course, if we're believers, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. There's no other way to be made alive in Christ. That is the Holy Spirit's work. And Christ Jesus promised that if we are thirsty and come to him, he will give us living water, and it will be in us a well of living water. But so often what we humans do is put a lid on the well and then sit on it. We heard them share that. And our heart response was, Oh Lord, if that is what we are doing, help us get off that lid and let your Holy Spirit be free in us. We recognized that we needed to make sure we were not quenching the Holy Spirit. We had the choice to let the Holy Spirit have the right to rule in our hearts and the living water would flow to quench our thirst and to bless others. Meanwhile, during those years, we by now had three children and Ron was working for a construction company. I was holding Bible club for our neighborhood kids every week and a church was beginning to grow with Sunday afternoon gatherings in our home. And Ron and I were still working on our marriage. Ron had been very careful right at the beginning of our friendship to tell me his story. So when he would have some surprising responses or reactions to things that I said or that happened in our home, I quickly knew that he was reacting out of the pain he had experienced in his childhood and that was still stuck in deep places in his heart and mind. So I'm thankful for that. I could step back and wait for him to come to peace again, which usually happened very quickly. But at the same time, we both are very normal human beings. Sorry. I think mm -hmm. so. With, <laughs> with selfish natures and our own ways of thinking, plus the fact that I'm a woman, he's a man. Mm -hmm. Very different. <laughs> there was lots to learn and lots to keep bringing us to Jesus Christ. I didn't always do it quickly and humbly as I should have, but when I did run to him and cry to him for his help and instruction, he was always faithfully there. And we constantly thank him for his grace, his hand in and on our lives, transforming us all along the way so that we could truly serve him together. How we love and praise him. And I wrote this poem for Ron on our 10th anniversary in 1972. I just want to share it because it shares our hearts, but it just is a picture of the incredible Savior we have. It's called Dream Castles. I built dream castles, lived in them, painted you there, and struggled with the real that would not be my dream. Jesus revealed himself, and in that light, Myself stood stripped to reality and a choice. Grab at the dreams as garments, or let him cleanse me and be himself my clothing. 
painful to a rebel, bless him. He moved me to choose him. He built the bridge then, crossed over with me to his path. Humble beginnings, hidden ways, but ever the glory of himself, majestic refuge, surrounding me, working in me his kind of love, giving, not asking, submitting, and gladly praise his name. And the path goes on, but always up, up, ever nearer to him, glorious, ever there, savior, keeper, wonder of our lives. We will not cry the clouds, the wind, the length of the climb, for even the road is him. I am the way, and he the one who melts our hearts together. Praise to him. Through these years that we lived in Bellevue, Washington, the Lord was putting a body of believers together that eventually grew into a large church. This is the church that prayed for us and totally supported us when the Lord called us to Japan. It was a body of people who loved the Lord and his word, and we were all learning from his word all the time. One of the precious ways was through singing the scripture, and one of our favorites from those days, still precious in our hearts today, is from Psalm 19. So once again, if you'd like to stand and sing, the law of the Lord is perfect. Okay, you can go to Psalm 19 and see all those wonderful scriptures about the law of the Lord. But thank you, you may sit down. Um, Ron's going to finish sharing here, and we will sing one more scripture song. And just to say, learning scripture through singing it is an incredible way to keep it in your heart and mind. The Lord amazingly led us to Japan. We had never thought of Japan. 
China, South America, Africa, but never Japan. In fact, it's kind of ironic because in high school, some of my best buddies were Japanese. I didn't see them as Japanese, I saw them as Americans and my football buddies. In fact, my roommate in my last year of college was Japanese. Granted, he didn't know much Japanese. He was a sansei or even another generation beyond that. But nonetheless, I was used to looking at Japanese eyes. Living with a Japanese guy was great. He did all the uh, cleaning up and everything like that. And I went out and played football. <laughs> when we were challenged by Don and Vivian Bruck, we're praying that you'll go to Japan. Japan. And we started praying. We had already applied to three other missions with different destinations and countries, and the Lord just kept shutting the door. And so it began at that point where we thought, well, here's Bellevue, Washington, and let's just reach out to our neighbors. And from that, God raised up out of house churches a congregation of about 400 people. And that is what Katie referred to as those who then sent us to Japan. And all the years that we were here, we never lacked any support. They were faithful during those years. So we thank the Lord for bringing us to Japan, it has become really our second home. We would take out Japanese citizenship, but I still can't speak good Japanese, so <laughs> we'll have to stay with our U.S. citizenship. Our 12 years in Utsunomiya at Minimachi Christ Church in Utsunomiya were great years of growing us, and we watched the Lord build his church there as well. We went home for a furlough time and came back to Japan three years later after a different mission board and a new assignment, a research project to discover Japanese church growth principles to help the Japanese Christians build the church here in Japan. We lived in Kyosei. We have our landlord and landlady <laughs> with us this morning. We're grateful to the Yoshikanes for their very comfortable home and providing for us in those years. Along with uh, being privileged to serve alongside Japanese pastors and missionaries in that 10 years that we were in Kyosei, it was our joy to get to know the Japanese church. There is so much to share, so much we continually thank our Father for, for many blessings we would never have dreamed of ourselves. And so much patience from the Lord's heart toward us personally as he walked with us, taught us, continually transforming us by his Holy Spirit. Our story has been orchestrated by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And now these five and a half years at MCC have been a crowning blessing to Katie and I. Another leading of the Lord we could never have dreamed of ourselves. 
when Kent called and said, would you be willing to come and candidate for pastor of an international church? I think we were in bed when, when Kent called. <laughs> no, I it was the middle so. of the night. No, yeah, I'm no, sure it was. No. That's when he always calls. <laughs> and I turned to Katie and I said, do they know how old we are? <laughs> It has been a blessing for us to, to be here. And we've experienced days of testing, learning to lean on Jesus, the Lamb of God, our Savior and Lord, more than ever, and particularly with this pandemic. And having to talk to some of you out there online, it's very hard, but this morning, this is very easy. We have a full house, almost. But we appreciate those of you who are out there in Zoom land. Let me encourage you and ourselves as well with a short passage from Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate, encourage one another to love and good works. Good deeds. Good deeds or works, yeah. <laughs> Not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And then we want to sing another song of from, praise to the Lord. From the scripture, again, I will extol you, my God, O King. You want to stand with us and let's praise his name together. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. Just remain standing and I'll give the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his smiling face upon you and give you his Amen. We have a very special announcement, another sweet blessing for our hearts before we leave. Tawako will be baptized next Sunday. We'd like to pray for her, and I know you would like to too, as she writes her testimony and prepares for this. But the Lord has led her in her own heart, through her parents' love and teaching, and through the Lord's work. This is her decision. She wants to follow Christ in baptism. So, Father, we thank you for your grace mm -hmm. that flows from your throne, from your presence, through your word and through your people. And how we rejoice to be able to stand with this young lady and who has through her life has known you has chosen you has followed you along with her parents instruction and we thank you that we can bless her and bless her parents and family mm -hmm. Your grace is like a mighty, mighty river flowing down to us. And we pray that as she demonstrates her love and her commitment to our Lord Jesus Christ through baptism, that you'd prepare her heart this week as you have been doing and allow us as a group of believers in Jesus Christ to bless her, mm -hmm. to watch over her, to pray for her, mm -hmm. to, to share with her what we have learned of the Lord so that she can be a light, salt, and a witness to those around her. Mm -hmm. the rest of her days. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this privilege. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, mm -hmm. amen. Amen. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Ron and Katie, for, for sharing with us of not just your story, but your lives these years and uh, we'll save the rest for next Sunday but uh, what a privilege isn't it a privilege to be part of a church body where the grace of God is so evident that he's gifted us with so many evidences of his grace among us and uh, just just give thanks to him thank you all for coming what a blessing to be together and share this time and uh, we have one more week with Ron and Katie before we pack them up and
send them back to Washington State, but it's going to be the uh, the end of a, of a very blessed era. And, you know, it's just another testimony how Jesus, the Lord of the church, the Lord of our church, has faithfully supplied all we need at every stage in our church life. And we know that even when Ron and Katie leave, that our Lord is faithful and that he blesses us with those he brings and he allows us to bless those who he brings. And so everyone is blessed and God is glorified. What a thing. Have a blessed week and wear your masks and mingle.